it's my pleasure to welcome you here to the Clark Howard Show, where it's all about you and your wallet. I want you to learn ideas so you can save more and spend less. And don't let anyone ever rip you off. Our website's clark.com and clarkdeals.com. Coming up in just a few minutes, there's an old scam that has roared back and seems to be working really well for the crooks, targeting a new audience. And coming up later, there's something that car dealers are up to that I need to give you a special warning about so you don't get burned when you are considering buying a new vehicle. So the investment industry is going through a massive change. And the industry is going through a consolidation that's going to lead to a lot fewer players. Mutual fund companies out of weakness are marrying each other. Uh, Stock brokerages and investment houses getting married. Banks trying to be everything to everybody, getting big into the investing stuff. And what we're going to end up with is a relatively small number of huge players. All this has come about because of a weakness exposed by the enormous strength of the big three discounters. Vanguard, Schwab, and Fidelity have essentially demolished everybody else in the industry. Nobody's been able to compete with the low costs that these three offer in the marketplace. And traditionally, when you did investments, you paid massive fees and commissions to a bank's investment arm or to a full commission stockbroker and you'd often be placed into really high cost mutual funds that you have to pay big commissions to go into and huge ongoing expenses. Well, there are still people doing that kind of thing as consumers, as investors, but the whole movement is towards much, much lower costs. And one of the full commission outfits, Morgan Stanley, is buying one of the discounters, E-Trade. And there's going to be more things like this. Now, Morgan Stanley's looking at, probably, is all those millions of people that are E-Trade customers and potentially trying to sell them their house stuff, their really high-cost stuff. They don't say that. But that would be my concern. And it's important that you know what you're buying with any organization that you choose to put your money aside, your hard-earned money that you have managed to save, that you're investing for your future. You need to know what you're getting, what you're paying. And when people don't want to talk straight out to you because the questions you should always ask if you're approached by a salesman salesperson with any insurance company any bank or any brokerage what are the commissions and what are the expenses and if they just beat around the bush and don't want to disclose that's your tip off that you're about to end up in a high-cost thing. I mean, think about what's happened 
with Vanguard, Fidelity, and Schwab, they have taken an industry that charged you massive amounts for what you try to do saving for your future and crush those expenses down. And that has forced change across everybody else. At least that's, that's my ultimate hope. Although right now, there's still plenty of insurance companies charging massive fees and commissions, banks charging ginormous fees and commissions, and then the full commission brokers, the two biggest are Merrill Lynch owned by Bank of America, and then Morgan Stanley, and their business model has been over the years selling you their list of stuff and not being fiduciaries, not doing what's actually in your best interests. Be aware, be wary, and those of you that are E-Trade customers, as an example, will get letters telling you the great news, how wonderful this is for you, that your account's being acquired by Morgan Stanley. But watch close if they start trying to make recommendations to you and what those recommendations represent and what kind of costs you would have to pay. Terry is with us on the Clark Howard Show. Hi, Terry. Hello. I hope the sun is shining where you're at today. It is not, but that is okay. Where are you, the, the sun's shining? Oh, it's not shining. That's why I was hoping it was shining where you're at. <laughs> no, no. It's been a, kind of a dreary last couple of months. But, yeah, you know, just, just your voice and the joy I hear in your voice makes it feel like a sunshiny day. Well, thank you very much for that, and thank you for everything your team does. I know you hear that all the time. Clark, I was wondering, um, another way to save besides a 529 plan, and especially with someone with developmental needs. So when you talk about the 529, you're already talking about the 529 ABLE? When you said 529, Um, or are you familiar with the ABLE? Now that you say that, yes, now I have heard you talk about that before, but I'm not sure how that really works. Okay, it is a fantastic thing that the Congress did. You hear it? I said something nice about the U.S. Congress. (laughs) Yes, you did. We're all marking it on our calendars. All right, so the ABLE account is um, like an offshoot of 529s, and it uh, was passed by the Congress five years ago. And it allows uh, a, a person taking care of a disabled individual, and there are specific rules about disabled individual, you know, what makes somebody eligible a disabled individual, but you're able to put 15000 aside each year that will not hurt that individual's ability to receive whatever governmental assistance may be available over their lifetime. Okay. And that's why it's been such a breakthrough for people who have a disabled child or young adult in their lives is being able to put, would it help you to be able to put up to 15000 aside? Yes. So the ABLE accounts, there were very few of them uh, up till like the last 18 months. And now there's more and more available 
and they vary in costs. You know, the I was just talking about the cost of investments. The ABLE accounts vary in cost depending on uh, which plan you go into. And okay. so you want to know, is there going to be any commission in the ABLE account you're looking at and um, what the ongoing expenses are? And there's a list of the ABLE accounts and what you pay for them on the website savingforcollege.com has a sub-briefing on 529 ABLE accounts. Okay. And they do range all over the place in terms of the costs. And you don't, they'll be listed by state. But generally, you have the ability to put your money in a variety of states. You don't have to put it in your home state if your home state doesn't offer a plan or doesn't offer a good plan. You can put it in a plan from another state. I understand. What state did you say you're in again? Did you say Missouri? Correct. So Missouri's plan looks decent, and um, the fees don't look... Uh, outrageous at all okay and so you'd be able to put aside in the missouri able account up to they call it mo able you'd be able to put aside up to the uh fifteen thousand. okay and so that would be potentially a a great place for you to stash cash Thank make you. sure make sure you designate um future owner of the account in the event that you were no longer with us that you have somebody who you trust who ends up being responsible for managing that money properly for the benefit of the disabled child we're talking about okay okay very good now um i don't know if this if i i think i'm understanding everything you said that if this would not be used is that money can that go to the second child? No. The money okay. is specifically for the disabled child, and most people use it as a way to grow money tax-free, that's spent tax-free, much later in the lifetime of a disabled child. Okay. okay. Because what people fear so much who have a disabled child is not so much today's expenses. It's like down the road when a disabled child's an adult and they're going to have ongoing needs, how those are going to be paid for. I understand. So that's the advantage of being able to put aside up to 15000 each year, year after year after year, that grows tax-free and is spent tax-free for the needs of that child. And the only thing I would have to look into, or one of the primary things are the commission. If, or, you know, yeah, well, if you look spent. at this guide, I'm looking at the guide right now as we speak. I didn't know that Saving for College had this guide. It's pretty clear on what the expenses are. Fantastic. So okay. you should be A-OK. There are plans cheaper than the one in Missouri, um, but the Missouri costs are reasonable. Okay, very good. It sounds very user-friendly, the, uh, to the search for this. Yeah, so when you first look at savingforcollege.com and you look at the guide, you'll be a certain amount overwhelmed by the information that's available. Um, uh-huh. And then you go back and you read it later and you kind of have absorbed it then and you'll know exactly how to do and what to do. Okay. All right. Great. Have a great day and keep that sunshiny personality you got. 
Thank you so much, Clark. And the sun will eventually come out in parts of America that aren't really seeing the sun lately. Nathan's with us on the Clark Howard Show. Hi, Nathan. Afternoon, Clark. We got some sunshine here in Las Vegas. We'll send some your way. I wish you would. (laughs) That's why Nevada (laughs) is installing some of the largest solar farms anywhere in the world because the sun shines so much and it's so cost effective to pop that solar up. Oh, yes, for sure. So how can I be of service to you? Yeah, my question for you and the team is uh, I find myself a lot of times whenever I'm bored or just even have five minutes and don't know what to do, just kind of uh, mindlessly scrolling through social media and just wondering if you have any suggestions of what else to do to spend that time or any cool phone apps or even maybe something that could give back to uh, maybe some uh, charities as, you know, you spend a certain amount of time on this app, uh, clicking away that maybe some money gives to some charity or maybe something good that can come out of my mindlessly scrolling. Well, I haven't seen that, but are you doing Facebook or other social media? Uh, mostly Facebook or Insta. Uh, like Facebook's or, uh, easy. Let yeah, me tell you Twitter. about the Facebook thing that people use. It's called the Newsfeed Eradicator. Okay. And if you use Google Chrome as a browser, you can add it as something it does, and it will really reduce your temptation and what you see from Facebook. Okay. And that will free up an amazing amount of time out of your day. But my favorite thing overall is turn off notifications on your phone. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I don't know if you've done that yet, but a lot of people really benefit from that. Or instead of mindlessly like losing your minutes and hours surfing, Instead, when you feel that temptation, go do something on it that would be cool. Like a lot of people will use the Duolingo app and learn a language. Okay. And there are other things like that you can do. There are a lot of people that are into the whole mindfulness thing. And they'll mm-hmm. when they start to get that thing going where they just keep looking at their phone, they'll go to one of the meditation apps. Okay good idea so there are a number of things like that you can do that will create a different sense about what you're what you're spending your time doing where you can make that time on the phone instead of being a negative make it a positive in your life just think about what things i wish i'd always learned how to do this that or the other and use the time doing that Today's Clark Rageous moment is an oldie but baddie has roared back into the marketplace, according to the federal agency, the Federal Trade Commission, and it's the phony check scam, where you get a UFO check in the mail saying, hey, cash this check, send us back this, it's your money to keep for testing this service, that service, or the other service. The new target for this, and with great success, has been people in their 20s and into their early 30s who have never really been check writers. The whole idea of a paper check has not been a part of so many people's lives. I think about my 20-year-old who has never written a paper check in her life. She's had bank accounts, but has never actually written a check. It's just not relevant. So if she got a check, she wouldn't understand that a check was potentially bogus and you'd think that if you deposited one and it cashed that it was a okay 
if you're a longtime listener to our show, you already know about this scam, but make sure that a scam that used to hit overwhelmingly the elderly, now hitting very, very young people just out of school, that they know that if they get a UFO check saying they get to keep part of the money after they deposit it and wire the rest of the money back or buy gift cards or whatever, they are about to get scammed big time. The check that cleared will usually bounce in four to six weeks, and then they're responsible for making up all that money. So know this is dirty dealing that has come back, just a different target to steal from. Great to have you here on the Clark Howard Show, where it's about your empowerment with knowledge so you can keep more of what you make. Clark.com and ClarkDeals.com are our websites, and we have the Clark Deals Daily Newsletter. If you want deals coming to your email in basket of the greatest bargains going on right at the moment, we got them for you. I got something that is no deal at all that I'm going to share with you in a ripoff alert. This is a Clark Howard ripoff alert. Something first entered my radar last year on one of the auto blogs that I read about an expression in the auto industry called kicking the trade. And I need to tell you that we have every wrinkle going on right now with people trading in vehicles they still owe money on that are leading to one disaster after another. I mean, the simplest rule is no matter how tempted you are to get another vehicle, when you still owe money on the vehicle you have, keep driving it at least till you paid that loan off. But a lot of people, that's falling on deaf ears. And somewhere, depending on whose stats you believe, somewhere between 30 and 40% of people are getting rid of vehicles you're upside down on, where not only do you still owe a loan on it, you owe more on it than what it's worth. Well, that's where kicking the trade enters. There are dishonest car dealers that know they can't get you a loan that'll cover all the upside down you have on your old vehicle if they take it as a trade, and they lie to you and there was just a recent write-up in the Wall Street Journal about this, and it unfortunately, in spite of denials from the Trade Association for the automobile dealers, it's apparently becoming a bigger and bigger, uh, essentially, fraud against consumers. You're told, hey, the way for you to get in a new vehicle is go ahead and buy that new vehicle. Don't trade in your old one. And then we can write you a loan based on what you're buying this new vehicle for. And then just default on your old loan on the other vehicle and call the lender and tell them, hey, I'm not going to pay for this vehicle anymore. Would you like to come get it? Or how would you like to get it back? Well, what the dealers aren't telling people, and, and this is why it's got the name Kick the Trade, is that you, when you don't trade in that vehicle and you say, hey, I'm just going to let it be repossessed, you're going to ruin your credit for seven years, and the lender sells the vehicle at an extremely low auction price, 
and almost everywhere in the country, you're liable for the difference between what the vehicle brought at auction, a bunch of expenses that are in your loan agreement that are then added on as junk fees, and all the money between what that is they got for it and your remaining balance. So you don't have the vehicle anymore, your credit's ruined, and you're responsible for all the money the lender lost. So you didn't accomplish anything. You ate your future up. So I know we hear what we want to hear. And if you are in a vehicle that you just don't like or you hate and you owe a lot of money on it and somebody tells you, oh, just do this, everything's going to be great. They're not there picking up the pieces of your ruined credit or ruined wallet. Remember, when you hate that vehicle, suck it up and keep driving it and pay off that loan and get out of a cycle of owing more on vehicles than what they're worth because you're creating a financial catastrophe for yourself when you take out long vehicle loans and you always owe more on them than what they're worth. That prices your life for perfection. And let me tell you, life is not perfect. On top of that, the extra amount of interest you pay by stretching out those loans is really hideous. Tim is with us on the Clark Howard Show. Hi, Tim. Hi, Clark. Um, thanks for taking my call. Certainly, Tim. Um, I just have a credit card question. Um, I know I've heard you say that you should have two major cards in your wallet, and I follow your advice. I have the uh, city card from Costco, and then I also have a 1.5% 1, 1. cash back uh, card, Visa card from my local credit union. Um, and I was wondering, uh, I heard you talk about having the USAA 1.5% uh, cash rewards card uh, you had mentioned was a good one as well. And I was wondering, should I go, go for that one or should I use the one that my credit union has? Yeah, if they both pay 1.5%, you already have gotten the one from your credit union? Yes. If you've already got it, there's no particular advantage to you turning around now and getting also the 1.5% from USAA. But what would actually be worth doing would be to get a 2% cashback card. Okay. And Citi has one, since you're already a customer of Citi, they have one called the Citi Double Cash. Okay. Where you get 2% on everything you do. You get 1% when you charge, 1% when you pay. So effectively 2%. And then uh, do you happen to have any accounts with Fidelity Investments? Uh, in my four or my four fifty seven plan, I do yes. All right, so Fidelity has a two percent cashback card as well, and okay. since you're already a customer of Fidelity, you could have a Fidelity card, you could have your credit union card, and you could have the Costco, Citibank Visa, and then you'd have cards with three different financial institutions. Okay. What about um, my wife? Should some of these cards be in her name, or is it just okay for them to be in my name and then her as an authorized user? So she uh, should have her own cards. 
Okay. And this is really important. I'm so glad you asked that as a follow-up because if you were to die prematurely and she had no credit cards in her name, it could be a real problem for her because the issuers would close your accounts and then she has no credit. So it's definitely to her advantage to have her own cards. I mean, she can have cards that she names you an authorized user. Okay. Either way, um, but you should both have a minimum two cards that are your own. Okay, great. I will follow through with that. All right. And which branch of the service are you in? Um, I was not. My father was and my brother was, and I was asking this on behalf of both of us. Oh, that's great. All right. Well, thank you, and have a wonderful day. You too. Thank you. And Jan is joining us on the Clark Howard Show. Hi, Jan. Hi. I am calling because I knew that you were in travel in your younger days, and my daughter is wanting us to go, me and my husband, with her to Turks and Caicos, which is way what, my daughter's ocean, favorite, my I middle child. Go. I got to tell you something, Jan. That okay. is my middle daughter's favorite place on really? planet Earth. <laughs> well, good. The thing is, um, they got me worried about this virus in airplanes and no hospitals over there. And, so no. the coronavirus um, yes. has, to, to no one's knowledge, I've seen... Airplanes have not been the big source of transmission, okay. although they certainly could be. Yeah. And if you're in the Turks and Caicos and you were to develop something, you're still very close to the United States okay. to be able to come back for medical care if you weren't oh. happy with the quality of medical care right. in Turks and Caicos. And what month of the year are you thinking of going with your family? August. So... There's a medical theory that viruses like coronavirus only thrive during cold weather periods. Okay. And in August in the Turks and Caicos, it's going to be hot and humid. (laughs) So unless this morphs into something that becomes a worldwide pandemic, I guess, or plague, unless it becomes Uh something like that, and it becomes something that that thrives in hot weather as well as cold, I would say that's not something for you to have a great deal of concern about. And, okay. And Turks and Caicos, the water is mm-hmm. so spectacularly beautiful that pictures can't even capture how beautiful the water is. Yeah. So. Well, cool. Yeah, I really want to go. I really do. Okay. So let me tell you what you do if you're really, really nervous. You can buy a special kind of trip insurance policy that allows you to cancel for any reason. Okay. Um, They they cost more money, and uh, Mm -hmm. you don't get back all your money. You usually get back half or three quarters of your money. But if you were willing to jump in with one foot, not two, and... (laughs) Let them book you on the trip, but if you wanted to back out, you couldn't get back much of your money, that would be the way to do it. Okay, that sounds good, yeah. Okay, thank you. So what you're going to find is 
the biggest concern you're likely to have is going to be sunburn, not any kind of virus. <laughs> okay, okay. And uh, I've I've actually uh, been on a cruise ship that came right by Turks and Caicos. So again, I haven't s- seen it on land, but I've seen it right from off the coast, and it really does look beautiful. Abdul is with us on the Clark Howard Show. Hello, Abdul. Hey, good afternoon, Clark. How are you today? Great, thank you, Abdul. How can I serve you? Well, I was wondering if there is any place where I can look for some good account um, uh, tax preparer or the CPA with the tax preparer. I uh, looked through quite a few things online, but I didn't really come across anything that answered my question. So I was curious if you may have some idea of how do I go about finding one. So the IRS has a briefing on enrolled agents. Okay. And why um, enrolled agents are great. And you can also go to, there's a website, I'm trying to remember if this, I'm looking at a website right now to see, this is it. The uh, National Association of Enrolled Agents. The website naea.org. Okay. And you can just click on a button there and they take you through how to find uh, an enrolled agent. Enrolled agents are registered with the IRS, enrolled with them. And they are going to be real tax preparers, not fake. And they are extremely knowledgeable, especially about federal tax rules. Very good. Now, the alternative is a CPA who does tax. So not all CPAs do tax and are knowledgeable about it. But CPAs, by the very nature of the extreme level of education that they have gone through, are obviously professionals at what they do. And if they, on top of that, they do tax work, especially for people who own their own business, they're a great choice. How would I find one good one? So I like for you to ask people you know who own their own businesses okay. what CPA they use and is that the person who does their tax for them? And would you use that person again if you were starting from scratch? And people will be, um, you ask people for advice, people love to give advice, especially if they know you. And when it comes to something like that, if they are wishy-washy about their CPA, you definitely don't want that person. But if they're like, this person's great, they're very thorough, they're very knowledgeable, um, that could be your person. Okay. Maybe that's what I need to start looking for there because uh, I lost one of my CPA tax papers, so I need to find one. So that gentleman retires, I need to replace him. So I thought you may be a good source to get some information, so I thought I'd just talk to you and see what you may have to say. Well, I appreciate that, and I have had a longstanding belief with CPAs that word of mouth from people who use one has always been my favorite way, which is not necessarily true with all professions. It's time for Ask Clark. That's where you post a question for me at clark.com slash ask, and we answer them multiple different ways, but one of them is where producer Joel asks your question for you. Yeah, Clark, Crystal wrote in. She says, what's the best way to sell a wedding ring after a divorce? There's a lot of conflicting information out there. So, uh, first of all, I'm sorry that you've gone through the pain of a divorce. 
and I'm going to give some pain to your wallet. Selling um, wedding band, well, wedding bands don't bring really anything, but selling a diamond ring, which I'm guessing you're talking about, that those bring very, very small amounts. Uh, and what you pay retail for a diamond or for jewelry versus what it's worth in the secondhand market, very different. Uh, there's a s- website that a lot of people have been happy with as both a buyer, uh, more as a buyer and somewhat as a seller, is a website called I do now I don't dot com. And it's a exchange where people who are trying to get rid of uh, wedding based jewelry post it for sale and buyers try to steal a deal. And that is one recommendation. The other is pawn shops. And you may not have ever even noticed there may be pawn shops right around you and you've never gone to one. There are some jewelers that will buy your old jewelry, but I just need to let you know what you're going to get will be very, very puny amounts. All right, Clark Dean wrote in. He says, I'm wondering about an app called Stash. Is it legit? And if so, why are they asking for my social security number when I sign up? I wasn't super comfortable with that. Also, is this a a good app to use for investing? Uh, The thing with Stash, check the fees. See if you're happy with the fee structure. But any site like Stash or Acorns or any of the investment or savings apps, you have to give your social security number. It is a requirement under federal law that generally comes under the know thy customer rule and it's to prevent money laundering and so they uh, take your social security number. the requirement's not specifically for social security number but that's how everybody's interpreted it so if you are going to use one of those apps you just like if you'd open a bank account or a brokerage account you have to give your social they run some kind of background on you and then you're good to go. You're listening to The Clark Howard Show. Thanks for joining us today. The Clark Howard Show is produced by Kim Drobes, Joel Larsgaard, Deborah Reese, and Jim Ayers. And remember, 24 hours a day, we're there to serve you at Clark.com and ClarkDeals.com.